Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Chats in the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa and I'm your host. Today we're continuing our series on education and we're talking to parenting expert Patrick Quinn. Now Patrick Quinn is a works with a company called Brainly, which helps children who have trouble with homework, they can go online and they can listen, um, ask <clears throat> questions to other other children online. So all different ages. Not only will they get help from other children, but the children that are helping them, it's reinforcing their skills. So I really think this is a great way to um, build a community and especially for parents out there right now that are struggling with COVID. Um, this is another great episode in our continuing education series. And you know what I need you to do right now? That's right, start listening. Welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. Today, I'm joined by Patrick. Patrick is a parenting expert. Patrick, what makes you a parenting expert? I know a lot of people are going to be asking me this question. So what makes you a parenting expert? Trust me, I'm asked this question around my house even. Um, when, when I was given that title from Brainly, um, my wife kind of really, I mean, I've never seen her eyes roll so hard because she's like, you're the parenting expert. <laughs> so, um, but the reason that I'm kind of given that uh, that title is because, I mean, I'm a parent to begin with. I have three kids. Um, I was also a teacher for a while in New York City. I taught special ed science and English. Um, and also I'm one of the co-founders of Life of Dad, which is a parenting website and community. Um, and when I was running that with some of my partners, we grew it out to be one of the biggest parenting platforms in the world from the dad side of things. So um, all those things kind of combined, they gave me the title parenting expert, but my wife would probably, uh, you know, maybe want to question that a little herself because she's the one who does most of the planning and keeping up with the kids' uh, schedules and all that kind of stuff. So you're here today to help us basically to give some tips to parents to help navigate during COVID to help kids learn because I know a lot of people are really pulling their heads out and their hair out. I mean, because virtual learning, they're going crazy right now. I, I don't know how many times I've talked to parents and they're going crazy. They're like, virtual learning is not for the faint of heart. And they are really learning that teachers are really earning their paychecks. <laughs> They <laughs> definitely, definitely are. And, uh, you know, being a former teacher, I have a lot of, and we all have a lot of teacher friends, but I have a lot of former colleagues and um, just the amount of work that the teachers have to do nowadays, they're just, it's essentially doubled, you know, especially if the teacher has to do in-school learning and at-home learning. Um, they've, they've got to really try their best to make sure each kid is keeping up. And it's, it's a really difficult thing to do, especially when they're doing the homeschool stuff. Um, but yeah, so uh, personally on our side, 
my kids did both. We did um, uh, homeschool, at-home learning for a while, and then after a few months, they went back in, and the kids were desperate to get back into school. And then after a few weeks of that, now they're desperate to stay home again because they see that some of their friends get to hang out and you know stay. They don't have to get up and get to the bus so early, that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I totally understand where it comes from on both sides, the teacher side and the kids side. So. So how can parents keep their kids engaged in learning while they're at home? Oh boy. Well, there's a bunch of, with Brandon, we came up with a bunch of tips a while ago um, to not only keep the kids engaged, but to keep make sure that the education is um, the best it can be while in a situation like this. And those things really range from the, it, it starts from the moment the kids wake up. You know, the kids, a lot of kids, especially mine, they thought that when they were doing homeschooling, they're able to kind of just roll out of bed when they want, you know, go in their pajamas, flop on the couch with the computer and just sort of, you know, coast through the day. Um, one of the big things was setting a big schedule, setting schedule for the kids as if they were going to school. I mean, a lot of the kids are, are in school nowadays and you don't have to really worry about that rigid schedule. But as a parent, if you're getting your kids up at a specific time every day, you make sure they get dressed every day. You give them food every day, like as if you were sending them off to school. It at least gets them accustomed to the schedule. It lets them know like, hey, this is business. We're not just going to be, you know, sitting there watching cartoons until just one minute before school starts. Um, another big tip was uh, having an education command center for all the kids, um, making sure that they're not you know, maybe it is in their room, but making sure it's not on their bed lying down. You know, what we had was my wife set up a, a, a section on a table for our son and a section far on the other side for our daughter with the um, noise canceling headphones so that they're not disturbing each other. But at the beginning of every single day, they would have to be there at a certain time, ready to go, ready to check in. Um, again, it's really just to, um, to accustom them to the fact that when they're in that section, they're there for learning. They're there to, to, to be engaged in the classroom and not to be engaged in all the stuff that can really distract them, especially around their own house. Um, and a double, especially when they're on the, in their own bedroom and you're not there to keep your eye on them because it's way too easy to, you know, grab an Xbox controller and sit and pretend you're looking at the camera, but really be watching, you know, uh, uh, Animal Crossing behind you. So, yeah. So those are some of the things that um, that we'd come up with in order to make sure that the kids were super engaged in their learning. Yeah. yeah. So so you suggest getting a separate station for each child. Do you suggest doing it in a different room for each child as well? If possible, you know, I, I'm you know not everybody has the same sort of setups where uh, they're able to do that. Um, for us, it was the same room, but just at least different ends of the table. And it also comes down to how you, well your kids um, work alongside of each other. I have a 13-year-old girl and then a, an 11-year-old boy, and they're always butting heads. Just you know, They're either best friends or you know, mortal enemies at any given time. So we try to keep them away from each other during the schooling to make sure that they're not going to have you know, any sort of incidences where they're, uh, you know, maybe somebody's elbow went too far across the table or something like that. Um, but the big thing was, and another, it was another suggestion is making sure you have the technology for the kids, but if you can get them noise canceling headphones, and there really are some inexpensive pairs that you can get out there that are super effective so that they're not distracted throughout the day and they're not 
listening in or, you know, being able to comment on the other child's uh, classroom or what their answers are, uh, especially if you have kids like mine who would love nothing more than to, uh, you know, cause at least a slight embarrassment for the other one. What about those that have um, children with special needs? You talked about you were a special needs teacher, you know, because that's going to be hard for them to do tech um, Zoom calls and Google Meets and things like that when their attention is already like not there. That's going to be yeah. hard. So what's the yes. for that? Well, for that, I mean, going back to my experience, um, it, it's it. I, I remember thinking to myself when this was all starting, like, like, oh my gosh, I feel feel terribly, terribly for all the parents who have to work at home but that also have special needs, needs students because they really do need a lot of hands-on attention and a lot of one-on-one -on -one attention. So um, again, if you can just remove as much distraction as you can, um, doing that would be huge. And making sure that you speak with the teacher um, on a consistent basis. You know, you can't expect the teacher to be, uh, to be concentrating on nothing but your one child, um, but, figuring out a plan, you know, maybe the kids can't sit there all day. Maybe they can have certain number of breaks, things like that. But if you come up with a plan with the teacher and the teachers usually understand, you know, given that they'll have IEPs on each student. Um, but knowing from a teacher's perspective, it's, it's very difficult to do what a teacher does online because a lot of it has to do with visual cues um, more than it is just the kids raising their hand. You know, if I'm walking around a classroom, I can see, hey, this person needs a little help, I could just tell, you know, or that person might, is looking a little bit lost. But when you're looking at 15, 20, maybe 30 boxes, it's maybe hard to see what that is. So um, making sure that you're on top of your students, special needs or not, make sure you're right there with them to help them through their work. It's going to help their engagement because they're, they're going to know that you're engaged with their education. But in terms of if you have a special needs student, it's really just super important that you talk often with the teacher, you make sure that the teacher knows that you're engaged with your with your son or daughter and that you're helping out as best you can because that'll relieve a lot of to, from the teacher's um, anxiety about what's happening with the student It's to begin with, but it'll also let them know that you're on the same team and that you're helping out and that you're um, really making an effort so that your child is gonna succeed with whatever the education process is, be it at home or in school. Now let's talk about technology because I've heard a lot of parents just like break down over technology, like Zoom dropping, you know, Zoom not working, you know, not being able to log in. Like they try to submit their homework and it doesn't submit or it does submit, but then it gets lost and the kids are crying. The parents are having breakdowns and the teachers are saying, you know, they're not doing their homework. And it's like all this. I mean, literally everybody's having breakdowns. I mean, yeah, that. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And I, I remember at the beginning of this year, um, I'm in I'm in right outside of Austin, but the. Uh, the technology kind of failed, so the junior high and the I'm not no the the high school had to delay their start for two days because they the Zoom just wasn't working correctly. Um, and there was an article in the New York Times a while back that was talking about through COVID, all of this working from home and education from home wouldn't have been possible ten years ago because um, they, the broadband just wouldn't have been able to support it. But now that it is, I mean, hopefully for most schools and most uh, homes. They've gotten into a rhythm now, but um, the technology is, it's really, it is an issue um, for a lot of the people. Um, if you're not, if you're a parent and you're not 
particularly tech savvy. Like I'm thinking of my brother. Um, his kids, luckily, are younger that they're not in school right now. But I know if he had to sit there and figure out a Zoom thing, he'd be completely lost. You know, he's a New York City fireman, and he doesn't really get in front of a computer too all too much. Um, but if you if you are in that category, um, it's always great to at least have somebody on hand, somebody you can call who's able to walk you through it, maybe sit with you for a couple of days in advance to help you as a parent understand what's going on. Um, if the kids are having issues, it's a big, it's really important. One, one of the, the things that we talked about um, when, we, when we were putting together a list of what to do to prepare your kids for online schooling is remembering that everybody is in this together, that it's all new to everybody. So reminding the kids that, yeah, the teachers will understand that this stuff is gonna happen. It's new for the teachers too. My, my daughter, if she didn't get an assignment in, she would just shrug it off and go about her day. My son gets really anxious about it though. He's, uh, he's very concerned about making sure his work is in on time and he wants to be on top of it. And there have been times where the assignment didn't come through on time or he wasn't able to, to put it in. I forget exactly what the situation was. Um, but really just to relieve the anxiety, it's just reminding them, the, the kids like, hey, the teachers are going to understand every day. This is all new for everybody. We're all figuring it out. So um, getting through that together, it, it's really pretty helpful. And um, making sure that you're there with them and helping the kids understand that, you know, we're all figuring it out. Then that, that'll, that'll go a long way. I mean, because I have heard horror stories of parents saying that they're just like they're done. Like our, here in North Carolina, in our county, they have what they, they they could do virtual school or they could do what they call plan B, where the kids went to school two days a week um, in person. One day, everybody was home um, and then two. OK, everybody was home on Wednesday and then. Wait a second. A. Two days a week. <laughs> I can see how it can be confusing. <laughs> I know. It is, it is super confusing. Okay. Two days a week, A through M went to school. Everybody was home on Wednesday. And then N through Z went to school on Thursdays and Fridays, which the other ones were home. So it's like the, the kids only went to school in person two days a week. So they had stuff that they had to do virtually the days they weren't in school and then they had the virtual academy so these teachers were teaching like the high school and the middle school teachers were teaching not only were they teaching the kids that were there in person but they were also teaching the kids that were there truly like the virtual academy because there wasn't enough teachers oh but the God. elementary schools there were enough teachers to teach the virtual academy separately but yeah. the middle school and the high school, there weren't enough teachers to se to separate it out. So there were more workload for them. Wow. So it yeah. was like, wow. It was like, yeah. I, honestly, I used to be a teacher. I taught music. And so it was like, I could not even imagine teaching now. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm glad I got out of it. But I have friends that are teachers and I have friends who have kids now that are going through this. And they're like, uh, no. Yeah. And as a teacher, I'm sure you remember, because I remember with the New York City um, Board of Education, they would hand down their rules and regulations. And as a teacher, you look at it and you go, oh, how am I supposed to 
manage this, you know? And it always, it's, it always comes down to, you know, there's a state regulation that gets sent down to the education departments, the education, you know, education boards make plans that they think might be the best suited. And then it goes down to the teaching level where the, where who should have been consulted to begin with. Um, and a lot of times that is, that doesn't really trickle down. So then when it actually gets to the educators and the, the administrators of the schools, they look at it and they say, the heck are we supposed to do with this? You know? So that's why it's, it's always, it's always a process of just like being patient as a parent um, and as a student, because you have to remember that, you know, it's, it's there, everybody's just trying to figure it out. Hopefully, hopefully everybody will get into a good rhythm and hopefully it's not that rhythm because that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> it is a nightmare, especially when you think about it with COVID, they can't use books because of the, you know, passing around books. They can't go to the library because they can't get books out because mm -hmm. then there's a passing. They can't, with lunches, they have the lunches, but somebody brings the lunches to them on styrofoam trays because they, they the bathrooms, they have to go to the bathroom and, you know, they go one class at a time. They stand six feet apart and all this other stuff. You can't pass, you know, go to the buses. You have to go at a certain time. And yeah. late all different times. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult, and it's it's hard to keep up with the health regulations and the education regulations. And yeah, so you just cross your fingers at this point. Hopefully, hope that it uh, it's all working out for everybody. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so on that note, let's take a short break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about how we can make learning fun at home. Sure. I know you have some great ideas on that, right? Absolutely, of course. So let's take that short break. Schools closing their doors again this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic is devastating for students, parents, and educators. Beyond that, it has disproportionately challenged low resource school systems, further revealing educational and health inequities among communities. Teachers and parents are searching for tools that will enable schools to reopen, but many of these solutions are expensive and time consuming. To ease the magnitude of challenges faced by high-need school districts, we can provide a simple solution that has a deep impact. I'm Della, the founder of Nestle Space. Nestle provides easy, beautiful, health-centered design that adapts to any environment. We design products that are attentive to bodily experience, emotional health, and ergonomics, including our portable, touchless handwashing station. Our handwashing stations bring running water anywhere with an outlet, accompanied by ergonomic design. Because no plumbing is required, our portable stations can be placed in classrooms, gymnasiums, lobbies, libraries, and beyond. The CDC has identified handwashing as a critical mitigation measure for schools during the pandemic. However, as evidenced by the high number of schools that have reached out to us over the last six months, Many schools do not have prolific access to running water in classrooms and in other areas which they need to repurpose as classrooms in order to increase social distancing during the pandemic. We know schools are short on resources, dollars, space, and time. We can help, but we need your help to do so. We'd like to supply our Nestle Kids handwashing stations at no cost to selected public schools in need. Our first goal is to distribute these to 10 school districts. We are asking for your help to simply cover our production and shipping costs. Together, we believe we can help students more safely return to where they thrive most, at school. 
In these crazy times, we thank you for considering this and for your generosity. We believe that by helping support each other, we can make a positive impact in a very hard time. Again, thank you for your support. We hope you and yours stay well. And we're back. All right. Well, let's talk about how we can make learning fun at home. Sure. What are things that parents can do to keep kids engaged at home and learning so that they don't know that they're actually learning. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, before I get into that, I love that. Uh, the Nestle thing, that's, that's, those are great. I, I wish they I could actually, that. They actually were, um, she actually started it as um, originally her design was gonna incorporate breastfeeding and she was gonna do it like a breastfeeding for moms um, in the workplace, but once COVID hit, she repurposed it so that it was for hand washing stations. That's so. great. So awesome. That's that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right. But yeah. So to get into um, making education um, fun or exciting at home, um, I mean, one of the easiest things, obviously, is if you're able to gamify any sort of education. Um, Kids, obviously, they love any sort of a game. And there are, there are certain platforms that are, are really good at that. Like if, um, if you're learning another language, um, Duolingo is, is, I don't know if you've ever used it yourself personally, but um, I wanted to get my kids to use it. And then I started using it. And Duolingo, like I started trying to learn Spanish and Japanese. Um, and then I'm mixing them both up. So I speak a little bit of, I don't know what you would call it, <laughs> Japanish. Um, so, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's fantastic. It's, uh, it gives you choices. There's rewards as you're playing on the app or on the computer. Um, and you can actually like connect with your friends. So there's a social component too. So my kids and I are all connected on Duolingo and we try to, I challenge them to see who can get furthest, further down the, uh, the lessons, uh, to learn the different languages and they love it and it makes it really fun. It's, it's a great platform uh, to jump on. So um, not only is it making it fun because it's fun because they're you know on the computer and doing the games, but one of the big things about making it fun for the kids is making sure that education seems fun. To me, I, I love learning. I love learning anything I can at any time. Um, so learning Duolingo alongside of them and knowing you know, they know I don't speak Spanish, and I'm, but I'm trying. So because they see me trying and I'm trying to do better than them because I am making it a competition, they're trying to make it be better than me also. So it just makes it a lot of fun. And that kind of attitude and that kind of um, approach to the education is, is huge for the kids. Um, it'll, it'll really, if you're le leading by example, they're going, it's going to help their education tremendously. Um, you know, like a lot of parents are out there complaining about they don't know how to teach the new way to do math. And I'm one of them. That's one of the ones I refuse to actually learn. But <laughs> if you're willing to actually sit and try and learn it with them, then the kids will understand that you're there trying to learn and you're trying to, to figure it out also. And then you'll be better able to help them as they're doing it. But also they're going to see that, you know, learning isn't such a chore and it's not so terrible. Um, Another thing, I mean, obviously Brainly, which is uh, which is who I work with, is it's a tremendous, tremendous resource um, because not only do they have certain gamification um, aspects to learning, 
but also it's a big social platform uh, where kids are, especially if they're if they're at home, they're able to actually connect with kids that, that are their age. Um, if you're not familiar with Brainly, Brainly, uh, the best way to describe it is it's the world's largest online study group. Um, so if you have a student who is struggling in any, any subject, they can go in and ask a question. The question doesn't go to people like me or you. It goes to other kids that are their age that are really good at that subject. Kids are able to scroll through and find questions other kids are asking, and then they get in and help those students. So the kids are learning from people their age, and they're able to really connect in that sense. They're not learning, you know, it's not somebody who's been an expert at this for 10 or 15 years who is really trying to dictate something. It's somebody just their age, maybe from across the world, who is explaining like, this is the best way that, that it can be done. Um, the answers are moderated by AI to begin with. And then also there's, uh, I think they have about three to 4,000 subject matter experts who are actually on the site, making sure that that the responses are accurate. And it's not just a, it's not just like an answer farm where you can go in, I just need the answer to this math question. Let me throw it in there, got the answer, I can move on. It's really, it's a systematic approach where the kids are teaching each other. So, and the great thing about that is, you know, my daughter is struggling at math, but she's really good at English and history. She might see a, a history question that somebody else has and she'll say, oh, I know that answer. She jumps on and helps that student out and it's reinforcing the learning that she had before and also creating that social component where they're able to, you know, connect with other kids their age and understand that other kids are struggling that, that are their age. You know, they might go on with a question and say, oh, wow, look at that. You know, 600 other kids had that same, a similar question or are also having trouble with that particular subject. Um, and it's a great platform. It gets, I forget what the number is now, 350 million users a, a month. Um, it's huge in Europe and it's really exploding here in the United States also, especially during COVID with kids being able to help each other. Um, another great thing to do, if you have younger kids, um, this thing is, is fantastic. And I started using it not too long ago, but it's called Creativity. And it's written like that, Creativity. Mm. So if you've ever had the, uh, the, 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 the boxes that get sent to you for, you know, clothing or something like that, a monthly subscription, you know, you get in, you get, get what you like, and you kind of send it back. Creativity is, is similar to that, only it's all creative learning. And it was made by um, a psychologist and, a, uh, and a, a teacher in California. And they put together these, these boxes that are crafted to really get the kids' creativity um, a rolling, but it's also tied into um, education, educational like fundamentals. And it's really a lot of fun. So you can get monthly subscriptions and get new things where you sit down with the kids again and you help out help each other out with learning things science experiments coloring but it's all tied into something that's educational and it's also um uh basically bespoke for each age group by the um by the psychologist who is part of the of creativity so those are some of the the really fun things that you could do at home so far to really amplify education and make it more fun if you're stuck at home with the kids, which a lot of us are. Now let's go back to Brainly. I know yeah. a lot of parents are thinking, what is the process? How do you screen? Because there's so many, uh, I'm just going to put this out there, so many child predators out there that they want their child to be safe. How, I know Brainly is got to be 
I know it's safe, but <laughs> how can you make, how can you let the parents know that it's safe? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like I said, it's, it is moderated. It's not something that's just like a free for all. It's not like, a, it's not, it's not a Reddit forum or something like that. Um, this is, it's, it's moderated. It's, it's, a, it's for free for, for any schools, any kids can use it for free. Um, so anybody can join. Um, but once answers are put in, it's, it's screened by um, artificial intelligence to begin with to make sure that it's tied into the subject that it's actually, the, the questions are being asked. But then also we have, the, there is the, the thousands of subject matter experts who are in there also all the time, just moderating what's going on, checking out the conversations, making sure that everything is education focused. But then also, and this is a major component, is it's really like the people who are using it are really protective about the community that is, has grown and been built there. So they are able to police themselves. They are able to watch out for what's going on and to make sure that this, that, that the Brandley community stays the safe space that it is. So there's no option for like, Oh, let's separate chat or something like that. No, no, they, there's, they, they, there's nothing, nothing could be like done privately. You can't pull to the side and be like, be like, Hey, you know, DM me anything like that. No, there's not nothing. Nothing along that. Everything, everything is public, and everything is 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 easily viewable. Parents are able to moderate monitor their their kids' activity on it. Also, and able to um, create your own account and make sure that you're you know following up with what's going on. So yeah, there's no there's nothing no hidden little alcoves in Brainly uh, that would make it something that could be even potentially suspicious. Yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. And I know there was a lot of parents that would have that question. So I wanted yeah. to put it out there so that people would know that it's a safe place for kids. Yes, yes. I appreciate the question. I, I kind of sometimes forget to, to mention that. So yeah. Because a lot of people with nowadays with social media and there's all these predators out there that you don't know what's safe for kids. So we yeah. have to make sure that things are safe for kids. So. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's an ongoing struggle where uh, my daughter wants to be TikTok famous and she is not allowed to have a, pri a public TikTok account because, because of that. So, um, but yeah, so I, we, I totally get that. And as a parent who, you know, has done social media and has been on all these platforms and has run platforms for so long. And now who has kids that are finally getting into them. I'm very super cautious with what's out there knowing what I do know, um, which is probably a step above what, what everyday parents know and already to begin with, that's a lot. Um, so knowing all of that, I feel completely safe and for, for completely happy having my kids use Brainly. Um, knowing how how open it is and how protected and how safe it is as as a as a platform. Well, I appreciate you being open about that too as well because I think that'll help a lot of parents as well. Yeah, that. of course, totally. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I get the I get the hesitation from everybody. <laughs> so let's talk about things that parents can use if they don't subscribe to a lot of these different things, but things they can do around the house that can help kids. Yeah, absolutely. In learning. Sure. Um, you know, there's certain things that you don't even need to uh, have specific education for to help your kids learn. Um, my son, my four-year-old son and I, when he's not at, at daycare, um, we just go walk, go for walks and he has questions and, you know, we do, we, we figure out what well, I talk to him about what I can. This morning he was extremely interested in bees all of a sudden. And he asked me all these questions about bees. I told him everything I knew about bees, which wasn't a lot. Um, but then he was asking how do how do they make honey? How are their hives? Like questions I really didn't know the answer to. Um, so when he did get home today, you know what we did? 
we jumped on the computer together. We looked up B, B um, uh, behaviors and, and B videos. So we learned a little bit more about it. Um, so things like that, like just learning around your house and you don't have to go far. You can go right outside your front door, figure out something that you can teach, especially the really young kids. You know, I mean, you can you can blow them away with your with your extremely basic knowledge of like, you know, the bush outside of your house or something like that. Um, and education doesn't specifically have to be only book learning. Um, one of the things that I taught my kids uh, was, hey, let's go outside and find some things that we can eat. And they were like, what? We went right at the block. There's one of our neighbors has a rosemary bush, pulled a twig off of that and came home and sprig, sprig twig. What would you call it? Sprig, I think. Um, and just, just grilled up some bread with the rosemary on it. We made rosemary focaccia. I think it was just white bread, but you know, so, um, but they, they got to learn. They got to learn a little bit of not only about what's in their environment, but then we got to the kitchen. They learned how to do a really light cooking of a little bit of olive oil, piece of bread, rosemary changes the flavor. So, um, they do get a lot of education in that sense. And it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't have to be the typical, here's your book, here's your lesson. You know, they're learning about all sorts of different things. Kitchen learning is a, is a big one too. So, because if your kids all of a sudden turn 13 or 14 and they're making muffins for you, then that's a humongous win as a parent. So. So let's talk about kitchen learning. What can they do in the kitchen? What age do you start them in the kitchen then? Uh, my four-year-old helps me every Sunday with pancakes. Um, you know, wow. he, he kind of, he knows the stuff that goes into it, um, but he he doesn't know the amounts. But the, the amounts and things like that are things you could teach them. You teach them measurement. Um, you know, my son knows one of the big lessons that he learned one time is don't pour salt over the thing that, all over the big thing, because he poured it once and all the salt went into everywhere because he missed. So we had to restart. Um, but learning measurements, uh, learning about temperatures, you know, teaching like light science things, like, isn't it amazing that you mix all of these things together and so it becomes something very different, you know, and you can really tie it back to Ratatouille if you've seen the movie, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Remy really talks about the fact that, you know, one thing and another thing are completely separate. You put them together, it's something new, it's something magical. And that is something you can do in the kitchen. Um, and I mean, you're there every day anyway. It's a, it's, you might as well just incorporate it into some sort of education. It'll benefit them in the long run. They'll, especially if they're learning about, you know, real foods, if they're learning about how to prepare their own meals, like the pancakes we make, we don't use box pancakes. It's, it's flour, it's butter, it's eggs, it's milk. It's, uh, we mash up bananas to make sure there's extra, extra nutrition inside of it. Um, things like that. It's, it's, it's huge. And the kids love it. The kids love helping me. But one thing I always complain about, it's always, uh, like I could say, all right, pancakes will be ready in 15 minutes. And then they're like, can I help? And I say, okay, pancakes will be ready in 40 minutes. Cause it really, you know, whenever they're helping, it always stretches out that time by a tremendous amount. I love how you're teaching them to make it from scratch and not from a mix. Yeah. It's, it's really easy. I want when I really, when I tried it for the first time, I was just like, Oh man, pancakes, you can't do it just from scratch. And then I found out, I was like, wow, it's, it's pretty simple. So if you have the right stuff, it's, uh, it's, it's not too hard at all. But there's another thing you can also teach them to read their reading skills by reading yeah. recipes as well. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, one of my Christmas presents was, and I just got an air fryer. So it's a air fryer recipe book. And my older son and I, sat there flipping through it, trying to figure out stuff that we can actually throw into there. Cause he loves messing around with it. He's really into gadgets and stuff. So he wanted to find out how the air fryer is working. So we have this uh, recipe book and he's not a reader. 
he's my my daughter who reads everything she can get her hands on. He doesn't read anything, but he sat there and read through more of that cookbook than I did, just trying to figure out different stuff, different things that he might want to try. And, and yeah, so it was, it's a it's a it was a big win having that around actually, and something I never even thought of, and just sort of happened. So now you just need to get him more gadget books. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I totally do. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> So what are some other ways? I mean, you talked about gadgets and things like that. So what are some other ways? Yeah. Another thing, um, I mean, it is really just, um, it's playing to your kids, not even their strengths, but their interests. Um, you know, all three of my kids are, are very musical. They, they, they love music. They have their favorite bands. They make little plays and my, my daughter's very into theater and dance. Um, so, in order to kind of help that along. I've never played an instrument in my life. I've been trying to teach myself ukulele. I'm pointing to the floor like you can see it, but I've got a ukulele right there. <laughs> um, but just, I mean, the, uh, when I say yesterday, literally yesterday, I went out and went on to um, next, the Nextdoor app and I bought a, a Casio keyboard um, for the kids to start messing around with. And this morning at 6 a.m., I heard my four-year-old up already playing on it, trying to figure out how I taught him Mary Had a Little Lamb, which is the only thing I know how to play on piano. Um, so getting something like that, it's another education that they can start learning is while they're home, while they're not able to go out and go to go with their friends, maybe they can sit down and they can start playing, uh, playing on the, on the, this keyboard. Uh, there are a thousand, I mean, there are probably hundreds of thousands of, uh, piano lessons geared to different age groups and different learning levels that they'll be able to, uh, go in there and do. And since we got it yesterday, I haven't been able to explore them all to give you any real suggestions, but, um, but yeah, that's something that we are we're ramp, ramping up over here now to uh, get get the kids all into learning piano, and maybe some of them will start learning ukulele a little more. My daughter already learned, but uh, yeah, you have your own band. Yeah, right. Wouldn't it be great? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty soon you'll be on YouTube, right? Maybe she'll be YouTube famous, not TikTok famous. Uh, <laughs> so she she wants to be something famous, so we'll see. <laughs> Uh, so do you have any more suggestions before we head off? I think we, uh, I think we hit a bunch of it. Um, if I think of any more, I'll shoot a message over to you to, to broadcast out to your, to your awesome audience. So what is one last tip that you can give to parents who are pulling their hair now, especially if their <laughs> kids are home with them? Ah, <laughs> uh, the last tip I would say is it's really just a, just, just re reiteration of, you know, just being patient and real, remembering that we're all in it together. The kids, us, the kids are stressed, we're stressed, teachers are stressed, administration's stressed. So if everybody just uh, takes a deep breath and uh, communicates, then we'll all, be, uh, we'll all be better off that way. And where can people find you at? Oh, Brainly, Brainly.com. Um, if you go onto there and check out Brainly.com, that's our, all of our Social is out there. Um, you'd be able to find us there, but um, but Brainly.com. It's really it's a it's, it's a great platform, and um, it's a huge, huge, huge um, a, a, a spot for parents to be able to help help their kids by helping them help themselves and each other. So yeah. So Patrick, I want to thank you for being on today and for the entertainment. And I, I just wish you were able to play the ukulele because that would have been really entertaining. Oh, are you going to do it? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. See, I'm learning a little bit. Hey, you actually learned.
that's the uh, lava song from uh, one of the Pixar shorts. So, it's the only song I know the entirety of. <laughs> All right. I want to thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, guys. We will see you on the next chat from the blog cabin. Bye. Y'all, that episode. I cannot believe you actually picked up a ukulele and started playing it. I mean, there you never know what's going to happen on the in the Blog Cabin, right? I want to thank you guys for being part of the Blog Cabin family. Um, if you really like this content that I'm bringing you or if you have suggestions, just please message me and let me know. I, I'm always up for new and amazing people coming on the show. Um, I have some really great lineup already. I'm already booked out into May, June. So I'm looking forward to chatting with these people as well and listening to their stories. I do have a couple of repeaters on, but for the most part, it's going to be all new content. So I want to thank you guys once again, like I said, for being part of the uh, broadcast family. And please like, leave a review, leave a rating, wherever you listen to across the board. And also, if you're on YouTube, click that subscribe button and give me a thumbs up. So as always, be blessed and start chatting.